So you always want to be prepared to... To set goals. To be really disruptive. Diversity is fundamental. It is just trusting those super strengths. To recover from those failures and, and learn from them. Humility looks like the softest word, but it's kind of the hardest. We ourselves are in beta mode. Life goes on. Sporting Edge, inside the mind of champions. Welcome to the Inside the Mind of Champions podcast. My name is Jeremy Snape. I'm a former England cricketer with a master's degree in sports psychology. Since retiring, I've been fortunate to work with and interview some of the world's most successful thinkers and performers. And I'm passionate about translating their habits and routines into practical strategies to help you become more successful. In each episode, I'll be dissecting a common performance challenge to help you improve your mindset, your leadership and your team performance. To me, our mindset is the next frontier. So let's find out why. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Inside the Mind of Champions. Thanks so much for all your positive feedback and social shares over the last few weeks. It's a massive help and it's great to hear that the messages and strategies in the show are really connecting with you at a personal level. I genuinely do find your support a massive motivation to me. As you know, this show isn't packed with adverts, so if you can share the show, that's a big enough reward for me. I'm recording this late in the evening in a hotel room ahead of a corporate event tomorrow, and after a few hours on the motorway driving, it would be so much easier to flick on the TV. But I know that someone listening to this will hear something that lights a spark. And today, I hope that's you. The kind of people we interview for our digital coaching platform at Sporting Edge have incredible lives and rich, vibrant stories. So they're packed with nuggets that can inspire us personally and professionally. It's genuinely a privilege to meet them and to be able to share their insights with you. When I started to research today's guest, I was amazed at her story. From relatively humble beginnings, she rose to one of the most respected leadership positions in the UK, the president of the Law Society. Here's a taster of what lies ahead. So that's where my dream started. Um, you know, uh, on a council estate in Ellsbury in Buckinghamshire, just dreaming of changing the world. There is no doubt, as I say, about the impression that America had on me, no doubt uh, that that would be a lasting impression and certainly would be a driving force because I hadn't really understood or perhaps experienced um, a difference in treatment until I got to America. We all have potentially been discriminated against in some way. So it's about developing that thick skin, that cloak, uh, that armour, if you like, to, you know, to go ahead and be the best version of you unapologetically. It was just one hurdle after another, but through perseverance um, and a sheer determination, because I absolutely believe that every door is open if you push. That's the voice of Stephanie Boyce, the sixth female president and the first black president of the Law Society of England and Wales. Stephanie is just handing over the reins to the next president, 
So I wanted to celebrate her time in post with this selection of insights from the fascinating time I spent with her a few months ago. Stephanie's passion, resilience and drive to make a difference in society is palpable. But this fire in her was burning from a very early age. So uh, my dream, my journey started as a seven-year-old um, growing up in rural Buckinghamshire, uh, dreaming or, or hearing, you know, about uh, the sounds of injustices that were going on around the world and domestically, but also, um, you know, seeing strong, a strong female role model as Margaret Thatcher was, um, and to be clear, not agreeing with what she went on to, to later do. But as the fe first female Prime Minister, the Education Secretary, um, and a barrister, uh, and at the age of seven, I used to do a really good impression of her. I no longer can do it. But, so that's where my dream started. Um, you know, uh, on a council estate in Ellsbury in Buckinghamshire, just dreaming of changing the world, making a difference. Um, and at the age of 12, we would emigrate to the United States of America. And I think it's fair to say that America would have a lasting impression upon me. I'd be overwhelmed by the poverty. I'd be overwhelmed by people's inability to access or exercise their rights because of their low socioeconomic status, because of the colour of their skin. And I wanted to ensure that the voiceless had a voice, were heard. Um, and so, you know, I would be found on a Thursday afternoon uh, through various detentions. And if I had a detention, I would have a placard. You know, you know, at that time it read, if Nelson Mandela is not free, neither are we. Um, and of course, you know, in American high school, people would ask me, you know, who's, who, who's Nelson Mandela? You know, I would wear black because I was in mourning for the world and then would later realise that if I, uh, uh, through, if you got bleach, you could write different things on your T-shirts. My mother wasn't happy with that. But even from that age, you know, um, there were people throughout history uh, in a, and in my own community that had an impact. And, and I was striving and wanting to make a difference and to make people aware. Of the hundred experts that we've interviewed for our research, I can't think that many have had such a clear view of their career trajectory when they were seven years old. I do remember Graham Smith, the South African cricket captain, drawing a picture of himself as the South African cricket captain when he was around 11 years old, and he stuck that on the fridge as an inspirational dream. But for Stephanie, this sense of injustice and calling to do something about it was accelerated when she grew up in America. So I think it's fair to say that in terms of a global perspective, the world is now a smaller place, if you like, through, through social media and through our ability to travel. But what it did for me was, was that I remember Tracy Chapman sang a song uh, across the lines. She sang many songs, but across the lines. Um, and she sung of the lines that separate whites from blacks. And I didn't understand at that time what she meant until I went to live in America. Uh, and, you know, in the neighbourhood we lived in, the black kids were bussed in to the school that was in the white neighbourhood and we'd get there very early. And I would stand there and watch, you know, as uh, uh, the other kids drove up in their convertible cars and so forth whilst we were being bussed in and having to wait uh, for a long time before the school opened. And 
There is no doubt, as I say, about the impression that America had on me, no doubt uh, that that would be a lasting impression and certainly would be a driving force because I hadn't really understood or perhaps experienced um, a difference in treatment until I got to America. And some of that difference in treatment was that when I went from rural Buckinghamshire to a military base, as we did in 1985, because my stepfather was in the American Air Force, I was mocked because of my English accent, uh, mocked because um, at that time on British TV, uh, Americans didn't see uh, a lot of black people. So, you know, there was a suggestion as to, are you for real? Um, and also, I was very acutely aware that later on, um, when, my mother's, uh, when my mother's marriage broke up, very acutely aware that we, how vulnerable we were, you know, um, sharing a room with my mother uh, at the age of 14, you know, acutely aware of how poor we had become, but determined uh, to stay in America because my younger brother was there, my mother was determined. And, I, I, and it was then that I recognised and realised the strength of my mother and the determination that she had. These global role models like Margaret Thatcher as a strong female leader and Nelson Mandela as an icon of resilience and transformation were changing the perceptions of thousands of people but in her mum, Stephanie was seeing an inspirational role model overcoming adversity and hardship every day. And this made things even more tangible. Maybe she saw that even ordinary people could make a difference. And this collision of inspiration and pragmatism would be a potent motivational mix for young Stephanie. Returning to the UK after several years of schooling in the States presented Stephanie with a turbulent transition. But with this fire in her belly, she found a way to climb through the academic and professional ranks. How did I persist in uh, becoming the president of the Law Society? Well, how did I persist in becoming qualified? Because when I came back to the United Kingdom, as I did in 1991, having left in 1985, um, my high school, so I had a high school dipl diploma, graduated with a high school diploma, but it wasn't recognised at that time here in the United Kingdom. So I found myself having to go back to, or having to go to college part-time uh, to, um, to obtain qualifications that would enable me to go on to university. And I was one of the lucky ones in as much that at that time there were no tuition fees and my local authority would pay a maintenance grant for me to go to university. A recognition that that is not always uh, long, uh, any longer the case. So those barriers that I faced are even more so now. But having obtained uh, my law degree and then trying to navigate my way around trying to figure out how I was going to fund the legal practice course at law school, because I didn't have those networks, I didn't know anyone that I could ask you know, and the internet wasn't so prevalent then that you could just Google, where do I get funding from? So I had to find out lots by myself. And I came across, second year at university, I came across a charity um, and they were able to ask me some questions. Have you applied for a training contract? How are you going to fund it? Um, and I funded my legal, uh, my legal practice course through a loan 
Um, and I remember when I graduated from law school, somebody saying to me that my debt was bigger than their mortgage. Um, but again, I came up against difficulty that I left uh, law school with no training contract. Um, uh, uh, you know, so it's, it's, it was just one hurdle after another, but through perseverance um, and a sheer determination, because I absolutely believe that every door is open if you push. You persevere until something happens. Um, and I kept going. And that was the same uh, determination and resilience and, and, and perseverance that I drew upon to become successfully elected after my fourth attempt. Uh, and I have to say, I would have kept going if it meant a fifth, a sixth, a seventh time. I would have kept going, if nothing else, um, to irritate. But because I absolutely believed in my ability to become Deputy Vice President, as you are then elected, and then an automatic trajectory to go on to become President, as I did in March 2021. I've never heard that acronym before, but it's so apt that when we face adversity, we need to push to persevere until something happens. It's so true. We all feel like we're walking into a headwind from time to time and we get let down by friends, we get rejected or we get those business bullshitters who promise the world and then go missing. So we need to keep an eye on our dream and then push through the tough times and adversity because if we work hard, we're kind to people and we do the right things, then those tough times simply can't last forever. But can you imagine being rejected for your dream job in such a prestigious organisation as the Law Society? The corridors are full of oil paintings of pale males who held that position for over 100 years. It must have felt heartbreaking for Stephanie. In fact, most people would have said that that glass ceiling is just too thick and that ingrained male culture just can't be penetrated. But not Stephanie. She'd been taking a run at this brick wall for over 40 years and bouncing off it once or twice wasn't going to stop her. She came back time after time until she eventually broke through. I think this is so inspirational. And on being elected, she realised her schoolgirl's dream and created a platform to serve and inspire others. So I was interested to hear what her leadership approach would be and the difference that she wanted to make during her tenure. I think what my secret has been to develop my personal style is the fact that it took me four attempts to get here. So um, a sheer determination um, and a wanting to be here in this space. And what those three previous attempts allowed me to do, and I don't use the word failures because that has a negative connotation, but what those three previous attempts allowed me to do was to perfect you know, uh, refine my offering, um, to think about really why I wanted to be in this space. And being president, uh, you know, is a great honour, a remarkable platform to be on, to advocate for change and to make a real difference. And I have used my time, uh, you know, uh, uh, to do that, to make change and to call uh, the profession, and not just the solicitor profession, but uh, others, you know, stakeholders, the public to action, because it is my mission to leave this profession more diverse and inclusive than the one I entered. But I'm clear it's got to be a shared ambition with each and every one of us doing our part. It's not somebody else's issue or problem. We all have a role to play. 
in ensuring that individuals who have the, the skills, the ability, the aptitude are welcome into this profession and they can stay in this profession, thrive in this profession and progress in this profession. So Stephanie's clearly a change agent for more inclusive cultures and I wanted to get her practical advice on what businesses could do to achieve this for themselves. So the advice that I would give leaders who are looking to ensure uh, diversity and inclusion, equity, equality of opportunity within their business is to look at uh, where they're looking at in terms of recruiting, you know, uh, the language they use on their websites, in their advertisements, where are they looking? Look at also how their departments who do that recruitment, how are they informed? How are they structured? Um, and also that, you know, decisions or those decision-making bodies um, must ensure that they too are being diverse and inclusive in their decision processing, in their recruitment, succession planning, and so forth. Um, and listen to the voice of their diverse workforce. What are they saying? You know, are they staying? And what is the data telling you in terms of your workforce? Are they staying? Are they happy? You know, is there a succession plan there? Can they see themselves reaching the top of the organization? So those are the some of the things. Um, but also, we know that if you have diversity of thought in your organization, there is various studies that have been done that diversity brings a richness to your business, more profitable, um, you know, um, more productive. So not only is it a moral imperative, it's a business imperative that we ensure uh, diverse voices are included. But for me, it's not just enough to give a diverse colleague a seat at the table. You must ensure when you're given a colleague uh, a seat at the table that their voice is heard. Um, and Verna Myers put it like this. She said, diversity is being invited to the party, but inclusion is being asked to dance. There are some brilliant strategies there to move from being a tick box exercise and a numbers game to becoming a truly vibrant and inclusive organisation where difference is a catalyst for stronger decisions and greater empathy for the diverse client base in society that sits outside our corporate headquarters. So there are some challenges for us all to reflect on. Where do we look for our talent? How are our job adverts worded? Who sits on those selection panels and those decision-making forums? And are we really inviting people into the room, but also going that next step to encourage, to recognise and to value their perspectives? Being a change agent can be so energy intensive. So I wanted to know how Stephanie recharged her batteries. We've all been through these disruptions of our daily routines with COVID, the lockdowns, and now things opening back up with travel and, and different schedules. But I wanted to understand a few of her energy management strategies. It's an interesting question how I've managed uh, the energy levels in terms of the demands of this role. So whereas I had a routine before, um, some of that, much of that has been lost. So being in bed at a certain time, you don't always get to go to bed at a certain time because of the dinners, the lateness of the dinners, um, and then getting up very early. But there's one thing that has remained constant, uh, and that is the alarm clock at six o'clock in the morning, whether I get up you know, uh, before that or not. Um, that is a constant. And I start the day off listening to um, uh, one of my favourite speakers, 
um, and who is a tele-evangelist. But what he does is he, mix, he mixes scripture with positive, uh, positive affirmations, words, thinking. And I'm an absolute subscriber to positive thinking, the law of attraction. Um, and so I, I start off with that fuel um, and that keeps me going. But also being aware that, you know, when I do need to be grounded um, at times throughout the day, I put my feet on the ground, uh, flat on the ground with my hands on my knees and I take deep breaths. And I, you know, ground myself back, becoming aware of the space that I'm in. I also have positive affirmations that I tell myself throughout the day. I think it's, it's important that we equip ourselves with positive affirmations. So when things get um, a little too much, we can just reconnect, reground ourselves in those positive affirmations. Again, there's something really inspiring here about the consistency and the discipline that oozes from Stephanie's personality. But that doesn't come by chance. Like so many of the elite performers that we've interviewed across different sectors, she's refined a set of morning and daily routines that set her up for success. So listening to positive words, reading or even listening to podcasts first thing in the morning is a great way to fill your own energy tanks up before the day's challenges start to deplete you. Maybe you're actually listening to this podcast as part of your morning routine today. So if so, I'm absolutely thrilled to be invited in to kick off the day with you. The other point that I loved in this insight was the ability to bring our focus back to the present moment. It's so easy to get pulled away to the regret of the past or start to get anxious about something that lies ahead in our future. But in truth, we can't do anything about either of those things. So the only thing we can do is dial up our attention on this moment and by bringing our focus back to our senses. What are we seeing? What are we tasting? Or can we feel our feet on the floor? And when we come back to that moment, we regain the power to do something to take the next step, to make that phone call, to make that tackle on the sports field, whatever it is. We can only deliver an impact now and every second we drift into the past or too far into the future, we lose that potency. I also like that idea of those positive affirmations. I have to say, I really struggle with them a bit because it just doesn't feel natural for me to look in the mirror and say that I'm a legend. I think the piss taker in me just can't rationalise it. But equally, I've definitely learned to tame that negative inner critic to the point where I don't berate myself anywhere near how I used to. Either way, that voice in our head will dictate our confidence and our composure. So I couldn't let the opportunity pass without asking Stephanie what her positive affirmations are. Well, one of the ones that, that I say religiously throughout the day um, is, I am a masterpiece, a prized possession, fearfully and wonderfully made, fully equipped and qualified to run this race that has been designed for me. Well, I can imagine that you'd feel better for saying that, that you're stronger and able to take on the world. And it's great to hear how Stephanie built these into a mental game to build resilience and consistency when times got tough. This feels like she's harnessing that inner strength from her earlier years 
and also using that evocative language from her preacher to speak to herself in a positive and energising way. This is the routine that Stephanie's refined and reinforced. But what's yours? And what's that voice in your head saying if you're not dictating the words and the sentiment to it? I've said it many times before, but I truly believe that our mindset is the biggest contributor to either our success or our failure. Yet we spend so little time thinking about our thinking. This mindset is really tested when we hit adversity, when we make mistakes and we get those nasty critical comments or negative feedback. The question is, do we have enough resilience, tenacity and positive energy inside of us to stop these comments from shrinking our ambition? Yet again, Stephanie explains her personal motivation can never be diminished. We all have biases. We all have potentially been discriminated against in some way. But we all have to take an audit of our own behaviours, skills, the words we say, how we react to people and individuals. Um, and of course I have faced discrimination. Um, and of course, you know, uh, microaggression and biases and bullying and so forth. But for me, I didn't allow that to, to, you know, to keep me there. Um, to hold me back. And I know and I'm acutely aware that there will be individuals where it has had a profound effect on them. And in fact, the Law Society did some research into the experiences of black, Asian, minority ethnic solicitors um, called for our racing, uh, Race for Inclusion report that we published in December 2020 and found that exactly that, that black solicitors had a higher reporting of discrimination, bullying, harassment and so forth. Um, I use those as an opportunity to propel me forward. Um, and as I said to someone the other day, I'm unapologetic. I have earned my right to be here. And yes, I get people uh, who say, you know, they don't like you or whatever. Um, but it's important that you run your own race. You, you, you write your own story. Um, because there will be people who will say, um, you know, who will criticise, who will have negative things to say. But, you know, people are entitled to their opinion, but what they're not entitled to do is um, force their opinions, their ideas, um, their negative ideas onto me or anyone else. Um, so it's about developing that thick skin, that cloak, uh, that armour, if you like, to, you know, to go ahead and be the best version of you unapologetically. Well, what an inspiring message. We all need to develop that armour or cloak to stop the criticism from soaking into us. Yes, people have the right to their view, even if it is nasty or negative. Often that says more about them than it says about us. But what we need to do is let them keep that and we need to regain control of our thoughts and our actions and actually convert that negative energy and that negativity into the rocket fuel we need to propel us even further and faster towards our goals. I really hope you've taken inspiration from Stephanie's amazing story and wherever you are, that you're dreaming big and building that inner motivation and tenacity you'll need to turn your dreams into reality. Please do share the show with anyone that you think will be inspired by it. And if I can help in any way, then I'd love to support you. So please do connect on LinkedIn, where I'll share this episode link again 
And you can also reach me via hello at sportingedge.com. And remember, Stephanie's acronym for getting through those periods of tough adversity and negativity. We need to push, persevere until something happens. Good luck and I'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Mind of Champions. Connect with Jeremy's LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram links in today's show notes to receive the latest insights from his work. If you'd like to get access to Sporting Edge's digital library or book Jeremy for a conference speech or webinar, then please visit www.sportingedge.com or email hello at sportingedge.com.